Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. You're listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, the show that takes a look at pop culture tech superheroes, because in the end, everything is an ad. Hello, I am Shannon Miller, the creative and inclusion editor here at Adweek. Joining me, as always, is my lovely co-host, Luz Corona. Luz, I have a question for you, just to switch things up a little bit. Yes. (laughs) If you could choose one superpower, what what, what would it be? And also, what superpower would you not like to have? Oh my gosh, that second one. Okay, well, the first one, easy. Um, I would love to fly. I actually do this a lot in my dreams. And then when I wake up, it's so disappointing that it hasn't happened yet. Um, so flying would be my number one go-to. And then my second one, um, maybe like... A Wow. Maybe like a, a superpower that lets me hear other people's thoughts or, or something like that. Because, you know, guys, that's not good for me. I don't want to hear what other people are thinking. So that would probably be like the superpower I wouldn't want. No, that that sounds awful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to know what anyone's thinking. No. To be honest. <laughs> what about you, my friend? <laughs> oh, boy. Um, I would like to wield... A power that makes everyone instantly mind their own business. Because I feel like <laughs> the source of a lot of our ills is just people not knowing how to stay in their lane. Just, I don't want to hurt anyone. I don't want um, to, you know, be super strong. I, I don't want to silence anyone. I just want to introduce them to the joys of staying in their lane and minding their business. So that would be my superpower. And Amazing. I think that that would clear up a lot of stuff. I, in terms of like what I wouldn't want, I probably wouldn't want like super strength. It's just an excuse for people to like heap tons of manual labor on me. And I just don't feel like lifting your car or um, your refrigerator or whatever BS you have um, today that like you could just hire someone to do. So those would be like my two things. I definitely want you to mind your own business. I definitely don't want you to ask me to lift your car. Honestly, I think this is really relatable and a lot of our listeners will be able to relate to this. With that first one, it could possibly lead to world peace if people just minded their own business. That's what I'm saying. It's just so simple. Like, we it don't is. have to go to war. It yeah. doesn't have to be a civil war. This could be a five-minute movie if I just, like, <laughs> everyone mind your business. It yep. would be incredible. So those are my superpowers. I feel like we can probably bring in one more person in this conversation our producer and guest for today, Al Manorino. Al, <laughs> hi. How are? No, sorry. No, I'm just so I'm I'm excited about the conversation you guys are having right now. 
This is the pre-actual podcast conversation, and it's fantastic. Yes. Well, tell us. Um, tell us. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I'm kind of in the same vein as Luce. Uh, teleportation would be the, uh, the the superpower that I want because uh, commuting is the worst. Yes. And uh, travel just sucks in general. Like, imagine never having to deal with, like, airlines again as I'm staring at uh, departing flights to Miami for brand week <laughs> next month. <laughs> I, do- I just want to teleport. Like, just be Nightcrawler without the, you know, the all the blue and the tail, um, ideally. And then what I would not want Man, there are so many powers that I don't want. I think heat vision. I think heat vision would be a rough one to yeah. have. Like, um, accidentally, like you know, melting someone just because you were kind of squinting, oh. <laughs> couldn't read, can read something far away, just poof, blast. They're mm-hmm. dead. Uh, that would be pretty rough. Um, and then people are going to ask you like start fires, like campfires and stuff. That's annoying. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to be bothered. Yep. That's way too much pressure. Yeah. Yep. And yeah. teleportation, honestly, for myself as a chronically late person, I just think about it all the time, how much we need this. So, yeah, I'm with you, friend, for sure. <laughs> I want to assure the people at home that this is not the entire episode. <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah. It should be, though. <laughs> this, is, this is the longest pre-conversation we've had, and it's it's fitting because I think for a long time, I think ever since I started – on yeah that's probably an ad we've been trying to find an excuse to bring al on for an excruciating excruciatingly nerdy episode and we (laughs) are finally here however it's we're not here to just talk about comic books and our love of comic books even though that is probably going to be woven in throughout the episode but we're now at this very interesting interesting time in nerdy pop culture Um, that I wouldn't have imagined even 10 years ago. And I think this is a great opportunity for us to kind of talk about the state of of nerdy pop culture right now and how it is kind of pushing our industry in ways or how it's forcing our industry to kind of respond, if they even are responding. In some cases, they could not be. Yeah, Luz? Yep. Yep, I totally agree, Shannon. And um, specifically, you know, something I've noticed like come up in our voice uh, pieces, which is our op-eds on the site, is just how much diversity there is and how much more representation and inclusive storytelling there is. So it's definitely an exciting time, even like as I speak to you guys who are big comic book fans and I just, you know, follow the trailers and what's up on Netflix and, you know, the new shows. It's an exciting time for sure to just tune in and see what everyone's doing. Yeah, there's this duality that's existing in this time right now. Um, On one hand, you're seeing a ton of inclusion that is happening in these newer versions of old favorites. On the other hand, we have things that are resulting in kind of the decimation of things that people were really excited about, um, all because merger is going to merger. So there is this really interesting middle lane that I think marketing can occupy that speaks to both of that and kind of fills these voids that we've been experiencing in um, the nerdy space for quite some time. Um, Al, what would you say you are most excited to experience in the next like six months or so? I mean, as just a fan of all of this stuff, we are getting bombarded with content it's insane where i'm writing out lists of things i need to still watch 
or consume in some way. So, you know, it's not just that we're getting like incredible, faithful adaptations of uh, critically acclaimed graphic novels, like with the Sandman on Netflix or all of the Marvel shows. We have like She-Hulk coming up, kind of the inspiration for this podcast. Um, I'm just, I'm so excited that all this is happening. And I know this also has to do with kind of the pandemic too, where everything was either getting filmed and pushed and all that kind of, and we're just getting this like onslaught of content, but I'm just excited for more. And from the marketing perspective, like there's all of this content out there. There's so many eyes on these platforms. Like how are uh, marketers going to take advantage of that and, and do fun, unique activations or ad campaigns, things like that. That's what I'm really excited to see. Yeah, I think with all of these, there's just so much room for play that I get really excited when a new property is coming um, in this respect because the resulting activations tend to really stand up to the material if you are dealing with great creatives, which, of course, this industry is rife with. So when I see something like Miss Marvel for instance, that really plays with the medium. I, I mean, I could talk about my sort of love of things like Miss Marvel and Scott Pilgrim all day. But in general, I really, really appreciate the mediums like film and TV that gravitate towards the fun aspects of comics. As a person who covers advertising daily, I feel like this is a great avenue to explore that. Like uh, on top of the general diversity of casting, there's a diversity of expression that we're seeing. I am giving my age here, but I grew up on like the early, early Michael Keaton versions of like Batman and every ver version thereafter that was always, a, well, not always. George Clooney, I think, tried to keep it light, but otherwise it was just this, I'm brooding. I'm rich. It's 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 <laughs> it's a very hard time to be a very rich man bat. And then like this graduation of dark, darkly lit film and TV that just made it really insufferable for me. I'm excited for this time. That's like, hey, we can give you really fun light stuff and marry in like the nerdy aspects of that. And I'm always excited when I see marketers kind of like meet the challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know that you aren't like a big comic book flipper thrower, lose, but <laughs> what for you? That's what that's what they call <laughs> us. That's me. Flipper thrower. They are valid. <laughs> they are as my valid opinion as counts, guys. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I, I flip through a comic or two. But <laughs> But for someone who kind of comes strictly from, as you mentioned, kind of like the streaming fan standpoint, is there anything that you are excited to see in the coming months? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, going back on, on Miss Marvel really quick, you know, I think um, it's just really cool what they're doing there. I think, as you just mentioned, diversity of expression, like they also combined a few genres. There's the coming of age there element, you know, that I've really only seen as Spider-Man um, in my flipping through, um, <laughs> you know, and... 
and just really interesting to see how they incorporated different language in there and um, just really did it right because of who they have on their team. And that's headed up by Bisha K. Ali, um, who was one of our women trailblazers. So I, I had to give a shout out to that one. Um, I'm really curious about the She-Hulk premiere. Um, mainly, I'm starting to dip my toes in, in Marvel world. That's Marvel, right? I just want to yes. double check. Okay. Um, <laughs> I have a son. He's really into Spider-Man right now. Everything is Spider-Man. And he told me the other day he wants me to be Hulk for Halloween. So I have to like really embrace this. Um, and I just, you know, I'm curious to see She-Hulk. I see some negative comments, but overall, I think it's pretty cool. Like what they're trying out. I see them tying the storyline. It's not like they completely bashed you know, put behind them Mark Ruffalo, um, and now they're incorporating a female lead. So, I mean, you guys tell me what, what that is supposed to be like, but I'm personally excited to see how that's going to come out. I'm excited for it. I mean, there's a lot of controversy right now around the CGI, the quality of the CGI, and I believe we covered that um, at Adweek. And I, I think that's valid I, in terms of why She-Hulk fans are She-Hulk fans. I don't want to speak for everybody, but I do feel like a large part of the draw was having this woman kind of be the Hulk equivalent, like just this big hulking character that's able to freely express her emotions in a way that I don't think we get to see many women in comics um, have. We did, We kind of lived without that autonomy for a while. So to have a character sort of lean into the full tilt and full power of her emotions was really cool. And to have this like muscular woman, this like overtly muscular woman kind of redefine what is palatable and what is beautiful was really, really dope. And I love Tatiana Maslany. I stand her down. So whenever they, <laughs> whenever they announced that she was going to be, she was like, fantastic. She will make it work. They will make it work. Computers, talent, they'll figure it out. So in the trailer, I was still very excited. It just wasn't quite the She-Hulk I had like prepared my brain and my palate for. Mm. And I think that goes down a different avenue of like beauty standards and how they're even permeating like our <laughs> fictional, like very, very fictional superheroes. Interesting. But beyond that, I feel like there's just a lot of room to explore. If you are a creative, if you are um, on that account, I feel like that there's a lot of room there to really, really play and to bring some of that excitement. Because right now there's like a clash of conversations and maybe it's, you can correct me out if I'm wrong on this. I feel like there's a clash of conversations with people that are like really, really excited. And also like, she don't look right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, I think it does have to go back to the CGI um, that people are complaining about. Um, there's also all of this talk with, um, you know, these uh, VFX houses complaining about working for Marvel and their expectations and the lack of communication, the lack like, uh, of pay and things like that. It's kind of this darker side of the Marvel machine that we have not really seen. They've been really good with being this kind of light, uh, you know, in terms of press of, you know, casting the right people and owning up to their mistakes and things like that. If they don't really seem to be doing that with uh, all the issues that they're, uh, you know, starting to come public from uh, all these VFX houses that are um, 
not happy with the situation where uh, one story I just read last week was they uh, they moved up the date for one of the big Avengers films, whether it was Infinity War or Endgame, I don't remember. But um, they moved up the date and then didn't tell the VFX people that they have a, like a month less time to get the finished product out there. So things like that. And I think that's why people are you know, upset. They, they're seeing um, a lack of quality that they're used to from these films um, and trying to compare that to the TV universe, which are basically long versions of these films. So mm-hmm. uh, you have the talent there. You have, you know, whether that's the writing, directing, or the actors involved. But then when the VFX doesn't match, there's kind of this weird, like, what's going on here? And people are kind of getting, um, I guess, they're taken aback from that. But just to talk about She-Hulk for a second outside of uh, the VFX issues, um, it looks like it's getting... Uh, a lot of its inspiration from uh, this uh, Dan Slot run of She-Hulk, where um, she's kind of uh, she gets hired to be a lawyer for um, a superhero law firm, basically, where they're taking on superhero cases now that the world is filled with them. So um, she was just a lawyer, became She-Hulk, and now it's you know kind of the inverse of. Mark Ruffalo's character who didn't want to be the Hulk. He was a brilliant scientist who didn't want to be Hulk. When um, when She-Hulk, when she becomes She-Hulk, it's like she never wants to not be She-Hulk because she feels so empowered and she is still super smart. Um, so it's going to be very interesting to kind of see um, that comparison. And I think that's why it's going to... I think Tatiana Maslany is such a perfect... Uh, casting for that because if you've ever seen an episode of Orphan Black, girl knows how to act. Yeah, <laughs> very very good at it. Yeah, she can play twenty roles in a single episode. It's insane. Yeah, multiple personalities not a not a challenge. She's she's not good. a challenge. You may you may you may be new to her. She's not new to this. Like that's <laughs> going to be a real like whirlwind visual treat. I am guessing just from the trailers that we have been privy to. And it'll be, um, and by the way, our deputy TV editor, Bill Bradley, actually did cover the controversy um, in an article called Disney She-Hulk Creators Address Marvel CGI Controversy. So you should definitely check that out for that perspective. And um, yeah, it does speak to a larger problem in the VX community because this is not exclusive to Marvel. Um, We've been watching this for years. Um, Probably the biggest controversy being Sonic's teeth and how that drew um, an an overhaul, a very quick overhaul um, to the, I guess, glee of the general public. But for VX folks, this was a lot of pressure and that pressure has sort of subsisted for a long, long time in the VX community and the gaming community, game development community, rather. So there is like this, I think that we're kind of on the precipice of a real in-depth conversation because it can't continue on like this. So it'll be really interesting to see how this plays out and hopefully it'll play out in the VX community's favor, favor and they're hopefully while they're hopefully given way better parameters in the future and yet that really hasn't clouded the excitement I don't think for this property I think that there's still a very fervent fan base that is really excited for this to 
um, come along. And coincidentally, not coincidentally, that fan base is largely female. So it's, it's, there's definitely different layers of importance for when it comes to this release. And I think that any marketing that exists prior to its release, during its release and after is going to have to be very thoughtful and extremely inclusive. Like this is not the going to be an opportunity to really exclude um, as we've seen in other facets of, of fandom. Um, there have been a lot of interesting conversations in the ad community, Yalu's, about how these properties can guide marketers into better advertising, better, more inclusive advertising, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've had some great pieces from Mita Malik uh, at Carda. She really, like, DEI is um, her forte, you know, and she uh, publishes some really great pieces on, you know, marketing lessons from Miss Marvel and Umbrella Academy. Um, a recent piece that we had was from an Adweek mentee, um, Mike Leon uh, Rivera, and he spoke about what brands can learn from the power of Latinx superheroes. Um, granted, this is not, you know, he talks about a superhero that we don't see in Marvel, we don't see in DC. Yes, I know those two brands. I can mention those. <laughs> um, those other two I know. But, you know, he he talks about, like, for example, this superhero called La Boringueña, you know, obviously from Puerto Rico, um, points out really strategic partnerships uh, that the marketing team has partnered with, you know, and just some synergy in, in terms of their activism and their mission statements but uh it's just super interesting like that what caught my eye about this article was that the superhero la boringueña really cares about um you know some of the climate issues over there and the electric system issues over there things that really affect the puerto rican community and that they can relate to so i think that's a really key lesson is if you're gonna come up with these characters or just even in your marketing efforts, know what your audience cares about. And that's where you really connect with them and form meaningful connections. Um, so definitely a, a cool comic to check out, but really just the creator of it was so strategic in it, uh, as this article points out. So um, La Borinquena, am I? I yes. Pray. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, it was written by um, Edgardo Miranda Rodriguez. And this is kind of a full circle moment for me specifically, because uh, that character dropped in 2016. That was when I uh, launched uh, Nerds of Prey with my co-hosts uh, at the time, uh, CG, Lauren, and Mel. And that was that character was coming on the forefront of the comic industry. So there was this really awesome convergence of like us sort of carving out our space in nerd culture, and this very very culture forward character coming into the space and it just signaled kind of like this not new because there have always been latinx black asian american um just marginalized characters that have existed in these large comic shop houses but this was a very like pride forward character it was something that was like a signal of pride for the Puerto Rican community. And it was coming at a time that we were just like, we've kind of had it with these big houses, not really recognizing that there is power in these communities. So it was cool to 
have that memory and then see this character pop up on ad week as kind of a leader of how advertiser can be more thoughtful i just thought that was kind of cool i was really excited to that's super cool see that yeah so it's 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 really great to see that momentum continue and for bigger shops to finally catch up because they still and they still have a lot of catching up to do um yeah and I just, one more thing to add, which is super cool. I can't believe, like, you even saw this uh, character years ago, and now, like, they got some love on Adweek. But, you know, it's interesting. And now they're having brand partnerships. And I think there's such a valuable lesson there to learn, you know, for marketers and brands, especially as, like, we gear up for Hispanic Heritage Month. And, you know, a big topic of conversation is how to connect with this audience, you know, meaningfully, effectively. Um, you don't need to run a major TV spot. Uh, you know, on just a, a Spanish speaking channel, that would be great, effective if it f- lines up in your strategy for the time and the reach. Um, but there's other ways you can partner with a comic like this, a, a superhero that's really resonating with the audience you're trying to speak to. Um, maybe it's, it's a little more niche since it's the Puerto Rican community, but granted, they're effectively, re- their messaging is reaching there. Um, so I think that's another important lesson to learn. You don't have to think so, you know, have the big picture you know, in your vision, but also think of just a little bit more local and just smaller efforts that could be, give you the quality connection you're looking for. And that brings up a really great point um, in terms of like the breadth of your advertising. I, I love what you said, Luz, about it doesn't have to be like this major spot. Like you do, you do not need a 30 second spot on TV. It is helpful. Um, you should consider for diversifying sure. your media plan. Sure. But when I think of activations that have really made me smile, I kind of look at Prime Video, specifically what Phenology has done with Paper Girls, because this was a long-awaited series, yeah? And a lot of the heavy lifting was done by the social team. Shout out to Kayla Suttonmeyer, who is the editor-in-chief over at Phenology, and sort of led that effort. You have these fan watches, they did this really cool Spotify playlist that coordinated with the themes in the show and kind of reminiscent of the characters in the time. They've done all of these really cool social activations that I think really touched on why this was such a beloved series. I couldn't tell you like a 30 second spot. I'm not saying it didn't exist, but what resonated for me specifically was what happened on the social side. So taking every opportunity and every inch of your sandbox and making just the most use of it, I think is going to be kind of key in any sort of future activations when it comes to comic book fans, because we're very active online and I think we kind of gobble everything up in terms of content. Al can correct me if I'm wrong on that, but I don't want to say we're easy to please, but <laughs> just saying, you have a lot of opportunities to please, and you have a lot of opportunities to anger because, again, fanboys are going to fanboy. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. 
I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. So my question for you guys is, where are these brand partnerships? Like, I don't, I'm not seeing them, you know, in my face right now, but I feel like we should be seeing a mattress company teaming up with the Sandman. We should be seeing some some sort of lawyer or, or, or law company teaming up with She-Hulk. Like, I remember the last thing I saw was during No Way Home, Liberty Mutual had a activation in New York for, for Spider-Man No Way Home where they were uh, they had, like, a Daily Bugle uh, uh, little stand. They were giving out newspapers. Mm-hmm. That's the last thing I remember in terms of, like, uh, you know, nerd stuff with, like, a brand partnership activation. Is it timing? Is it just budgets? Why Why aren't we seeing as many partnerships right now? You know, that's a really good question. I I would say, honestly, the first thing, when whenever I hear budget these days, I just think recession. And it's just because of, like, all these voice pieces we're getting lately on budget cuts and what to cut, what not to cut, what to keep in mind. Um, you know, obviously, the, the really cool activations that we would love to see, those are probably on the back burner, I would say, just because of the time that we're living in now. Um, but this ties into... Um, a piece that we just published where it shouldn't be your story that gets cut from budget. So, you know, these are meaningful activations. This is part of brand stories that consumers remember. Like you, you just remember that Al clear as day, you know, and like that really resonates. So, you know, maybe people are trying to think like big picture spend and is like a cool pop-up, you know, New York city going to reach or is it going to be the most of our budget? But at the end of the day, it's really about making an impression and making a a meaningful connection with your consumer. So I don't know why there isn't more money there because it's really always cool to see. And maybe it's maybe it's because it's also two months after Comic Con. <laughs> could be true. Could be could be a depleted budget a little bit. But yeah, um, I, I think also as we talked about before, there is so much room for creativity and play here that I'm not necessarily looking for like these big budget activations. There is so much value in culture forward advertising and marketing, things that really authentically tap into the zeitgeist in a way that doesn't feel forced, in a way that feels fun and feels inclusive and, you know, is accessible to everybody. So when you're talking about like these brand activations, they don't necessarily need to be these gigantic things that happen in Times Square. I'm trying not to devolve into a rant about how experiential is very centralized and how we need to stop thinking that everything needs to happen in LA and needs to happen in New York. Um, Cause I have a whole podcast for that called off Madison available now, <laughs> wherever you listen to podcasts. So, but <laughs> there's an opportunity here to do so much fun stuff. Like, I keep thinking, when I think about experiential, I think about when I first started at Advocate in official capacity, one of the big things that we had to take on was the experiential awards. And the through line that ran through that is that 
the pandemic was terrible. Or not was, is. The pandemic is terrible. I would much rather not live through this current uh, strain of reality. However, one thing that the pandemic did do was that it forced experiential designers and creatives to really think outside of the physical installation, to think outside of the physical activation. And there was so much cool... I have to figure out if I'm going to cuss right now. I'm going to... There was so much cool shit that happened (laughs) during that era. And I feel like as we moved to in-person, we lost a little bit of that. And I wish we would go back to that. There are opportunities for brands to connect in activations via Zoom still. I know we're sick of Zoom, but it's here. It's part of our daily lives. Why not make it fun? You could do things online. You can do things on Twitter. You can do things that are accessible, that don't necessarily break the bank, and still tap into culture and still include you in part of the conversation. Everyone's talking about She-Hulk right now. Why wouldn't you take the opportunity to hop on that train? And I... I can't pretend to know what it's like to deal with Disney on the ad side, but it just seems like a bunch of missed opportunities. And I'm hoping that the future will lead to a little bit more. And this is, by the way, does not include social teams. Social teams work really damn hard, really, really damn hard Mm -hmm. to pick up the slack where like the other lack of media buys um, are occurring. But I'm, I'm hoping that we get to see a little bit more in the the next round of nerdy things. Amen. Amen, sister. For sure. <laughs> I, I will I will also retweet the uh the social teams. I mean like that is where I'm getting ninety percent of the advertising from for these shows is is just the great work that these in house teams are doing or these, you know, they they don't get a lot of mentions, but whoever is hiring these teams um, for Netflix and Prime and Disney, like they're great at marketing these shows, but it's just so weird to me that we are not seeing a brand presence. And there's so many great examples of how to do it right, how to do it fun, that you know we we should be seeing more of it. But it could be again recession timing, but it's it just seems like we need to keep an eye on this for the next you know, the rest of the year, because there's more coming for nerds, more shows, more Disney plus more star Wars. We're getting all of these things. So I'd love to see how brands kind of, you know, take advantage of that. Yeah. 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 I was going to say, um, you know, talking about star Wars, I remember that's actually in the, the Latinx superhero article too, just about all this like diverse talent popping up, um, you know, in Star Wars and Bad Bunny, you know, that was what kind of sparked the whole piece is Bad Bunny, you know, being cast as a, a comic character. And we're going to see that come to life. All these really incredible shows and movies that are going to come out need the support from brands to really get out there. And it shouldn't have to be like the whole Avengers squad and, you know, all of that. It, it should be it should be these cool stories that are coming out, like you said, Al. So in conclusion, hire us. As freelancers. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we're not busy we're or not anything. Busy. We're, we're, we're fine. We're, we're <laughs> no. totally not <laughs> burning the midnight oil at Ad Week. But I mean, we, I feel like we have ideas. I feel like I could come up with a few. Not now. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> give, me, give, me, give me 
<laughs> Your ideas on a silver platter here. No, I think there's general excitement for all these stories that are coming out, you know, and, and they need to be supported and they need to get out there for sure. Definitely. I think what we can kind of end on in a more hopeful note Al, you mentioned the 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 Daily Bugle sandwich. Yeah, that was absolutely brilliant. Was what has been like your favorite pop culture activation as of recently, if one comes to mind? I mean, I, I think one of the gold standards in terms of like nerd brand partnerships is basically anything Rick and Morty does. Damn it, I was hoping you wouldn't say it so that I could say it. Yes, I know, but, but you like were honestly, like <laughs> Everything they've done so far has been so on brand, um, not to just keep saying the word, but like, they're just like, they're not doing brand partnerships for the obvious reasons. They, if they're partnering with, uh, you know, Pringles or whatever, they're going to make fun of Pringles. They're going to make fun of that they're in an ad. They're going to make, they're going to say all of these things that mm-hmm. are so on brand to the show that people will accept it and Love it. The McDonald's, the Szechuan sauce. Like, that was insane. It was. It started as a joke that they leaned into so well. They made this huge partnership out of it. Um, or the, the, the Morty Mobile, I think. I don't know if that was the actual name for it. But, like, that's three things. There's probably 20 more that I could probably name just from them alone. Like, they, they've nailed it from, from the company side, from the creative side. And working with these, like... Uh, brands like Wendy's or Pringles, whatever. That's the gold standards. Like do that, Mm -hmm. do experimental stuff, do fun stuff, do stuff that leans into the brand, makes fun of the brand uh, because that's, what's going to resonate with people. That's why me and you were still talking about it. Yeah, absolutely. The, that partnership between Rick and Morty and Wendy's is golden. Never change. Everyone, every idea is weirder than the next, but seeing it in action, seeing it on TikTok, having, customers drive through these worlds is is pretty incredible i i think that that is a really really good one lose what about you well guys before i i think i'm i'm gonna have to jump on the rick and morty train only because um as long as we're plugging in other adweek podcasts here um you can hear us talk to one of the cmo uh cmos at warner trisha melton um talk at later this month at the end of august i believe or yes. beginning of september um where she talks about rick and morty and just their whole strategy there and how it's exciting and just kind of how those creative minds work and they top it every year and i don't know how but they do some really cool i'm gonna cuss too shannon they do some really cool <laughs> shit and and um even as like a flipper through her you know and just finding out what they do it's really cool so um be sure to check out that episode where trisha gives us a little bit more insight there um and how they do it at rick and morty and just other um kids and tv programs. I, I truly hope a comic book fan listens to this and says <laughs> What the? What is a flipper through her? <laughs> that is not a phrase. What do you do? What do you do with books? You flip through them, right? Yep. <laughs> or you read them. Yeah. Don't at me. Don't email me. It is a phrase. You can, you can at Chad. Please at Chad. <laughs> it exists. It, it exists on today. It does. And yep. I um, am here to fight for the flipper throughers who yep. <laughs> just casually love to read. It's fine. But yes. We'll add it to Urban Dictionary if we need to, <laughs> for goodness sake. 
<laughs> yeah, like that, that is that's very on point, Luz. I I think that there's um I I love being able to look at the sort of intersection of pop culture and advertising specifically because there's just so much fun stuff that comes out of that when you think like one of my favorite activations that I got to witness, not experience because it wasn't in my neighborhood, but um, there was a drive-through, like a creepy drive-through for Lovecraft Country um, a couple years back. Wow. And they, mm-hmm. it was, you know, during the time when everything was shut down. So you couldn't go to premieres, you couldn't do anything. And it won um, one of our experiential awards. And I think I watched that case video like six times just because it was so meticulously thought out between everything being distanced, everything was contactless. You had to drive through this sort of like a creepy, very creepy back lot with uh, period billboards. One of the billboards was advertising the radio station that you had to turn into to get like the sound effect. It, it contained uh, treats from black owned businesses. So you had to slowly like drive through this thing and you got your snacks you saw these characters um, from the show's era. Totally creepy. Totally fitting for a theme. And it's like, guys, do this stuff in Florida. Do this kind of thing here so that I can actually do them and not read about them. But it's one of those that just yeah. sticks in my mind to this day. Again, culture forward advertising. You cannot go wrong. That's right. Culture forward advertising. I love that. Super yeah. Cool. So I think that's it for us. We're really excited for all of the fantastic shows that are coming to light. I'm really excited to see how advertising responds to the moment. And largely, I'm just grateful that we finally made this Al Manorino special episode work. Finally. <laughs> oh, yeah. Finally. I, remember I mean, I- sh- I was going to say, I remember saying to Shannon, uh, anytime she mentioned anything nerdy on Twitter, I would just be like, let's save it for the podcast. Let's talk about it on the podcast. And I was like 10 different times. And I was like, this is going to just be an ongoing joke until she actually lets me talk about nerdy stuff on the podcast. (laughs) The white whale. And we did it. The white whale of an episode. We finally did it. Perfect. Yeah. (laughs) Do it once a month. (laughs) Oh, God. Okay. See, this is why. This is why we don't bring out from around the curtain. This is why. Give an inch. (laughs) Take a couple miles. That Al Manorino. Yep. Yep. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us, Al. Of course. Anytime. And, you know, thank you, Luz, for stepping in. And, you know. Thank you so much. Being such a wonderful (laughs) co-host and a fantastic flipper thruer. And I want you to wear that I'm title proudly. <laughs> I will. Thank you so much for honoring me with that title. I will carry it proudly. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and ACAST Creator Network. This podcast was produced by me, Al Manorino, executive produced by Chris Ahrens and John Heil, and edited by Lane McGivney at Boutwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all of Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcast. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com. Thanks for listening.